Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. My kids are five and three, um, which somehow surprises me, even though I've been there the whole time. And they've both grown up in and around the church um, their whole lives, one way or another. Famously, my daughter Josie was born very early on a Thursday morning, and nevertheless, she and her mother made their way to church that very Sunday. Now, it helped, or didn't, that we were living in a rectory that was just steps away from the church at the time, so it wasn't such a long trek. Nevertheless, it's not much of an exaggeration to say that my kids have more or less spent their whole lives in the orbit of the church. And so they're getting to an age where it's obvious that some things have stuck. Um, And I've noticed that there's a way in which church jargon um, is easier to pick up than it is to really understand. Some of the things that we say are nuanced and complex, and it's not always clear to me how much of that nuance and complexity has sunk in yet. Sometimes it's great. Um, Like, for example, for both my kids, it's always been really clear to them that the Christmas that we're preparing for has more to do with Jesus' birthday than it does Santa and presents. So that's all great. But then there are times where the jargon pops up and you kind of go, oh, what do you do with that? So a month or two ago, I was um, driving up to Toronto with my daughter Josie to see the Harry Potter play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It's a great play, very magical. Um, We had a really good time. So we drove all the way downtown. We parked close to Young Dundas Square, and we walked across the intersection to go into the Eden Center to get some lunch before the show. And if you know the area, you probably know the usual cast of characters who were all out that day in full force. You've got people with literature, right, pamphlets, passing them out, people dodging them, right, trying to pretend they didn't notice. You've got placard guy, right? You've got bullhorn guy, and it's usually a guy, right? And three guesses what might be on the placard or what might be yelled from the bullhorn. Something that sounds a little bit like repent, the kingdom of heaven is coming, something in that ballpark. And so I remember being there with my daughter and having this moment where I thought, oh, I really hope she knows that that's not what we mean when we talk about how important it is to follow along and participate in the thing that God is doing in our midst. That that kind of thing, that that repent for the kingdom of God has come near, isn't really what we mean when we gather like this. Because it's tricky, right? When you hear John the Baptist in our reading this morning, dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey, apparently proclaiming repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, it is really easy to lump John in with placard guy and bullhorn guy and just kind of push him off to one side. 
can't we just preach about Isaiah? It was a lovely image. Let's, let's just be there. And, and John the Baptist is weird enough and out there enough. We can just, just put him in a box. <laughs> Wait till he pops up again next Advent. The, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that John the Baptist is not at all like placard guy or bullhorn guy. And what John means when he talks about repentance is not what those guys mean. And to be honest, it's not what we usually mean when we use that language. The bad news, though, is that John the Baptist is nothing like placard guy and bullhorn guy. And what he means when he talks about repentance is nothing like what they mean and not what we mean usually when we use that language. Sometimes it's actually convenient to be able to put John in a box and stick him away out of sight because the message that he has for us is actually really challenging and really timely. John is not standing at some ancient crossroads or thoroughfare yelling into the crowds, repent. John's a a teacher, a prophet, an important guy. So important that we read about him not only in scripture, but in tons of other sources. Ancient historians that have no particular interest in Jewish or Christian history write about John the Baptist because he had a big following. He appears in a time when Israel is struggling, when there is political turmoil and upheaval, deep division, fear everywhere you turn. This this sense, this growing desperation, like isn't God going to show up? Aren't things going to change? There was this real fear that things might be worse for the next generation than for the current one, that the trajectory is not hopeful and progressive. It's not by accident that John the Baptist is dressed in camel's hair and eating wild honey in the wilderness. There there was this hope in Israel that Elijah, the prophet, would come back and would herald the beginning of God making all things new. And so John the Baptist strikes this, this impressive figure who is incredibly reminiscent of Elijah, who is saying to this expectant people, the kingdom of God has come near. Not that it will, not if you do the right things, maybe some other time in some other place, it will come near. John says, the kingdom of God has come near. And so John says, the work you have to do is to open yourselves up, to examine yourselves, to be willing to let go of the things that seem immovable, to be open to disruption, because that tends to be what God does when God shows up. The word John uses for this is repent. And what he's talking about is not so much being sorry for the things that you've done and shouldn't have done. He's not really even talking about personal piety. He's talking about this collective turning back to God, letting go of the things that we think can't change, the things that make us comfortable, acknowledging the brokenness of the system and our complicity in it, and being open to God doing something new 
in us and through us and all around us. And so people flocked out to see John. They heard his teaching. They went through this process and they learned a little bit about baptism as well. But this is a different kind of baptism. This is a baptism that is a kind of outward sign of this inward process. And it's related to the understanding of ritual purity that was so important for Jewish worship. And by the way, it's not by accident that there's this reversal of movement and flow in this story. The people are flooding from the cities and towns, from the expected and important places out into the wilderness. That's not usually how it works, right? Usually, if you want to get something done, or if you become important, you get a new job, or you're wealthy enough to buy property, you go to the center of things. You go to the cities and the towns and the temple. This is the center of life. This is the establishment. But that's not what's happening here. The establishment, the, the, the people in the important places, are leaving those places and journeying out to the wilderness, to a place that is not built up, to a place where God has a habit of leading his people through turmoil, through struggle, so that they might be changed and inspired. It is not by accident that these people leave the places of comfort and establishment and enter into something new and challenging and promising. Which is why, when John sees the Sadducees and the Pharisees coming, he has harsh words for them. Now, it's important to remember that John is a prophet. He speaks like a prophet. He uses hyperbole. He is cutting and dramatic, and he means to be. This is how you make a point in Jewish tradition and most certainly among the prophets. So John sees the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming, the ones who embody insiderness, the ones who are the most enmeshed within the established order of things, the ones most comfortable with the system, who most benefit from the way that things are. And they're not just coming because they've heard something about John and they want to see what it's all about. They're coming because they're threatened by this whole thing and all the people that seem so taken with his message. So they come out with an agenda and John sees them coming. You brood of vipers, he says. <laughs> what, you think you can come out here and skip all the work that we've been doing, all the study and prayer and reflection, and show up and get some water sprinkled on your head and go on your merry way as if you're part of this movement? No. The kind of repentance that John's talking about isn't a status, it isn't a, isn't a possession or a thing you can hold onto and claim as your own. It's a calling, it's an opportunity to participate in something new. But John sees these people, these ambassadors of the status quo, and he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Be willing to let go of these things that work for you, but not so much for others. Be willing to hold loosely this system, because the things you've inherited it's not meant to be a cushy lifestyle and an expectation of what is to come. It's, it's meant to be a revolution. It's meant to be a way of showing the world what real peace and truth and justice can look like. It's meant to be the giving 
of yourself for the benefit of all. So John speaks harshly to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and speaks about judgment in a way that maybe makes us feel uncomfortable. Judgment's another word like repent that can call to mind bullhorn guy and placard guy. A really thoughtful person last week in our lectionary study noticed a line in a hymn last week which talked about Jesus judging from the tree and in his judgment healing. That's the kind of judgment that John's talking about. The kind of judgment that names things as good or bad. The kind of judgment that says open yourself up because God is making all things new and you get to be a part of that process. So here's the thing that has been bugging me this week and I'd like to let it bug you too. If you think about John and his role in the story and the message that he has and you imagine yourself in this scene, in this episode from scripture, the question is where might you best fit? Who might you be most like? The trouble is that um, if you're anything like me, it is probably true that most of the time you're more like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That for most of us, most of the time, the system as it is works more often than it doesn't. That most of the time, for most of us, the way things are makes us comfortable. That for most of us, Most of the time, it's all well and good to sing about how the first will be last and the last will be first, but when you're used to being first, man, that's that's a tough thing to take seriously. So I think there's a way in which John is speaking into our time where we experience many of the same fears, where there's the same lingering sense that something has to change where we experience the same kind of liminality. We know that 2,000 years ago, Christ was born, that God took on flesh and dwelled among us and promises to make all things new. We know that God is with us. But also, we know that the world is not as it should be. We know that there are all kinds of things that need to be put away, that need to be judged, that need to be changed. The invitation that we hear from John is to take seriously our role in those things, to be willing to reorder our inner lives so that we might be open to let go of those things that need to go away, that we might be open to disruption, to being stretched and changed, to being sent out to proclaim good news to people that we might not like. It's a challenging and disorienting message. You remember I said it's easier sometimes to put John in a box and say he's just a weirdo, we don't need to listen to him. This is our struggle, especially I think in the institutional church where John pushes us to say our inheritance is not just buildings and structures and prayer books. Our inheritance is a call to action, to participation to openness, to being disrupted and remade. And goodness, if that isn't hard. 
And so my friends, as we find ourselves right in the heart of our Advent journey, may we hear clearly with fresh ears a word from John. May we hear the hope, the anticipation in his voice, the call for us to attend to our inner selves, individually and corporately, especially in the church, to be open to the new thing that God is doing, to be open to being changed and disrupted. In other words, to repent. For the truth is, the kingdom of God has come near. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.